Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome one, welcome all to the latest Blog and the Boys Roundtable. My name is Joe Cho. You know me, of course, from all throughout the Blog and the Boys universe. It is Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. Central Time, which means we have a date Blog and the Boys does with you. We stream these live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Central Time on our YouTube channel, so you can participate along in the discussion. You can catch the rewatch at your own convenience. You can obviously listen to the podcast whenever you get a chance as well on the Blog and the Boys podcast network. Joining me this evening are contenders for tonight's Roundtable crown. I have to put him, of course, in the prime spot. It is Mr. David Halman, our defending BTB Roundtable winner. Uh, congratulations to him. He has half of all BTB Roundtable champion shares at this point in time. You can read him at blogandtheboys.com. You can follow him and his snarkiness on Twitter at underscore dh. 44 with an underscore at the end. Joining us for the first time tonight, uh, one of our newbies at Blog and the Boys. You know him on Twitter at Icebreaker21. A uh, bit of a, a masquerading sort of effect it is. Brandon Clemens, who you can also read at blogandtheboys.com. You can see everybody and hear everybody here again throughout all BTB. Brandon, thanks so much for joining us. Down in our bottom right, not quadrant, uh, but kind of sector, is Tony Catalina, one of the biggest BTB roundtable losers in Blog and the Boys history. Uh, you can hear him every Monday on, on the first and ten podcasts on our network, uh, Tony. Uh, best of luck tonight. I mean that in all uh, seriousness. Also joining us for the first time tonight, you hear her every day on the Blog and the Boys podcast network on our Dallas Cowboys Daily Update show. It is another newbie around BTB. We're getting ready for the season. Jess Navarez. Jess, I start with you. Happy Brett Maher Day. I know it is something that you were celebrating in accordance. It was actually one year ago today that Brett Maher joined the New Orleans Saints, and obviously today that he rejoined the Dallas Cowboys. Thank you for uh, starting us off on that wonderful, wonderful note, RJ. I really appreciate it. Happy uh, Brett Maher Day, and it's a day that will go down as, uh, you know, something I celebrate. And obviously, if you know me, you know I'm being so sarcastic because I am on team not Brett Maher, anybody but Brett Maher, really. So... Yeah, I'm, I'm not doing good um, today. I'm not doing well. The neighbor had to come check on me. She had to make sure I was doing okay because I guess there was some uh, there was some screaming, maybe. I'm not going to confirm or deny, but I was a little... I'm, I'm in... I'm firmly in that camp with you, Jess, um, and, and Halman, Tony, we'll get to you in a second, um, since you kind of live at the other end of this spectrum, but Brandon, where do you fall um, on, on Brett Maher? We might as well jump right into it. Uh, a heads up, and Brandon, you kind of take the first charge here. Uh, there are winners every single roundtable, and the rules are very clear, very concise, and as Tony will vouch for, very straight up, black and white, not made up on the fly whatsoever. It's a little bit different than who's lying in that sense. Uh, I will tabulate your point totals throughout the night. Uh, the listeners 
listeners and viewers that are with us live can award you a maximum of five points at a time. You can, of course, challenge one of your competitors to a duel. Halman won the inaugural uh, BTB Roundtable duel last week against Tom Ryle. Um, if we need to do that, we can explain those rules then. Uh, but so, Brandon, the points are up for grabs. Your thoughts on uh, the Dallas Cowboys not only bringing Brett Maher back, but waving Jonathan Garibay in the process. Well, here's the thing. Jonathan Garibay, he's kicks, according to Todd Archer, 60% of his kicks made coming into before getting released today. So it's been a very shaky training camp for Garibay. I mean, uh, Loreem's been very – he's been pretty darn good. I mean, he's been – I think he's – I think it's 75% in comparison to Garibay. I mean, 75% is not great. But um, Loreem, it's just been uh, – he's been the more consistent kicker, I guess. But um, – I'm actually in the camp of I do like Brett Maher to a point because Maher uh-huh. looked really solid uh, with the Saints last year. I, I'm saying I'm just saying he kicked uh, 88.9% of his uh, kicks last year with the Saints, which I mean yes, his long was 42, so it wasn't like he was kicking from distance, but that's still a pretty darn good clip. I'm just saying. And then I mean the extra points, yes, that's that's a struggle, and he's 80 80. 3.3, which isn't great, but I mean, look how we're, I mean, we, we're getting, we're really bad right now. I mean, Lareem is, you know, Lareem's not great. Garibay's not that great either. So I would, you know, it's, it's an upgrade. Um, Brandon, again, I'm just, I'm, I'm just here to, to kind of, you know, I'm, a, I'm an air traffic controller, just directing planes one way or another. I'm not here to offer any opinions. Uh, I believe blue 365 offers up on channel, LOL, boo, man, again, not my words. Uh, but you know, the, the words of our loyal listeners, uh, but Brandon, you do get a point. Um, I disagree with the assertion. So, you know, but whatever. So you are out to an early lead. Um, Halman, again, I know you were like at the way end of the spectrum. So we'll, we'll kind of like, we're wading into this pool. Tony, um, as I understand it, you and I had a bit of a back and forth on Twitter today. Um, you're just kind of in the camp of like, Hey, Garibay's gone. And, and, and Brett Maher is sort of the, the physical manifestation of that idea. So I'm down with that. Um, you explain yourself and how wrong you are. <laughs> My whole thing is it's the Garibay move had to be made. You know, I think I, I think many speak for in the same tone as me. If every day that Garibay was still there, it was just like for what? It was stagnant, it wasn't going anywhere. He had his chances, he had his kicks, it didn't really go the way it was supposed to. It could have been any of the four kickers, and I would have been satisfied with the move. Now, this isn't saying that they set they set themselves up for success leading up to this point because we know that they could have handled the situation better. I just think for this move in its entirety, it had to be done. So the fact that it is Maher to me is almost non-relevant. It just had to be someone else to come in and compete. And there's a realistic chance that he doesn't even beat Larum out. So it's like I'm not really too too worried about it. Um, I just. You know, we were, I think we were, you were one of the people that were big on Garibay coming in, having a chance to really change like the kicking game for us. And it, it didn't really work out like that. And, you know, you hate to see it happen like that, but that's kind of where I stand. I'm not a Maher fan. I'm not a Maher, det- det- you know, detractor, but at the same time, move had to be made and I'm not mad about it. Uh, calling me out on my own BS, Tony, three points for you. So good, good job in, in that respect. Halman, um, I'm making sure here because I don't, I don't want to, you know, not be authentic. You have an article submitted uh, for publishing at bloggingtheboys.com that is titled Brett Maher might actually work out this time for the Cowboys. The floor is yours. <laughs> so I, I will clarify, first of all, that I'm not necessarily a 
Brett Maher truther. I was definitely anti-Brett Maher last time he played for us. However, my belief in that this might work out this time has more to do with the fact that as opposed to the last time he was here, we have a really, really good special teams coordinator on our staff. Because before mm. when he was here, it was Keith O'Quinn, and he took over for Rich Bisaccia, and the special teams immediately dropped off in quality. Uh, that was also when Maher first started kicking. And of course, uh, since John Fossil has been the special teams coordinator, we went from 30th in special teams DVOA to 7th and then to 6th this last year. I think he's proven throughout his entire career and in, in the two years he's been here in Dallas that he's a really good special teams coordinator, even if some people don't like how long he's stuck with Greg Zerline. Um, but I look at Brett Maher, I see what we all saw was that he has a huge leg, which you can't really teach. And then as, uh, as we've heard in New Orleans, he got a little bit better, got a little more accurate with his kicks. And now you bring him into Dallas, you bring him – uh, into John Fossil's camp and see what he can do with him. And I think he's got the leg strength. If he can continue that consistency that we saw in New Orleans, he could be something special. But again, he still has to win that kicking job, and we'll see where he goes from here. So, um, Jess, I'll set you up like this. Halman, I will award you four points, A, for being our returning champion, and B, for at least having some data to support your um, your notion that I disagree with. But still, you know, four <laughs> points nonetheless. Um, I, I don't, I mean, I, I think that John Fossil to Keith O'Quinn is sort of like Brett Maher to Jonathan Garibay. Like the special teams unit in 2019 was a disaster. Like any anybody sort of like by, you know, just like transitive property was going to be better. Um, I will agree with you uh, that he obviously has improved the group. And a lot of that is his aggression, which has burned him at different times, not just in the obvious ways, uh, but in ways that haven't come back to burn him, thankfully. Um, but he was loyal to a fault to Greg Zarline. And they cut him this season. They wanted to bring him back, reportedly. His his first non-Greg Zerline move was to want to bring him back. Um, so I just don't feel like this area of his um, of his expertise is maybe where he's most sharp at this particular point in time. I would offer, and you know, I've said this, and I think the general answer that any of you would say is that Jerry Jones just needs to stop talking. Jerry Jones said last Saturday, I really want consistency in the extra point department. Okay, well, Greg Zerline, who we all agree was unfit to be this team's kicker, despite John Fossil's repeated insistence, to your point, Howman, uh, Greg Zerline was a, a more successful extra point kicker than Brett Maher last season from a percentage standpoint. I recognize the sample size for Maher is not incredibly large. Um, but so it feels a little bit hypocritical. Um, but just maybe it is just a matter of like get somebody who is not Jonathan Garibay in here to push Lareem uh, to the point of being the kicker for the regular season. Do you agree with that or are you just completely bothered by Brett Maher's presence? You wish him no good or happiness throughout his life. Oh my goodness. Okay. That's a little deep. Like I wish the man some happiness, but not with the Cowboys. And I just want to point out something that nobody has pointed out yet. And that's the fact that he was cut from the saints because of an injury. So when you bring that aspect into it, Hey, I'm not team anybody that's coming back from an injury the season after, right? Unless it's Dak Prescott, then that's a different story. But when it comes to Brett Maher, specifically the kicking situation, I'm not going to take a washed up player with a previous injury from the season before when you have a younger guy that, yeah, you know what, isn't the best. Uh, we have seen Lerum improve the last couple of days at practice, according to everybody that's been in Oxnard. But really, when you look at the chances that both of them are giving us, it's about 
the same thing. And uh, to me, Brett Maher just kind of has a curse. Um, I am a very traditional Cowboys mm. fan. When I think of a curse, I think of Brett Maher and I don't want anything to do with him being around us. Um, you know, I, I don't think, and the thing is, is I don't think it was a bad move overall to do what they did with bringing in the four kickers, Brett Maher being one of them. However, however, my issue is this should have not been an issue this far in and it should have been addressed so far back that we shouldn't even be here. We shouldn't even be discussing Brett Maher because we shouldn't even have been here to begin with. But um, I do wish him happiness. I just wish uh, Lirum Hairalahu a little bit more happiness and uh, all the success going forward. First, um, Brett um, bringing the curse, Maher. So we'll see. Brett comes in, by the way, takes, takes Amari Cooper's number and just feels guilt about it whatsoever so um pretty selfish move uh, okay that was the news du jour of the day uh time to get into our bigger topics here on table uh brandon just so you know i award bravery award stepping over your fellow competitors so this is a free-for-all discussion and sort of poker breaking the pool stick uh you know we have a open kind of environment uh so that being said uh the main subject MVP so far, if I could get that to let us know who your MVP is and why. Wow. You sorry, you cut out. You're talking nope. to me. <laughs> I wasn't talking to anybody. I was, I guess I was cutting out, which kind of ruined the, the like setup. I was saying that anybody who wants this question can take it. Who, who is their training? Who's your training camp MVP and why to this point? I'll go first then. Um, my MVP All is right, three somebody. Points. That... Three points for stepping out, Tony. All right, let's go. Let's <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I, I heard all the. Been told uh, Jalen Tolbert has just had a tremendous, uh, tremendous camp thus far. He looks. He looks like a number two. I think we might have a little bit of an internet lag issue. Um, so Tony, let's go you first and then Brandon, you follow up. Uh, but Tony, you were saying, I think your training camp MVP is the cover of our round table in Dennis Houston. Yeah. So that that's exactly right. And it's, and for him at the beginning, I kind of doubted, you know, especially when the James Washington injury happened. Um, you know, I should have listened to the people we know and trust that are in the, at the camp and said that, you know, Dak Prescott is a fan of Dennis Houston. He is somebody that is uh, picking up this offense and really gaining the trust of QB one. Um, and I kind of just took that as a little bit of training camp talk. And, you know, everybody has like a star in camp and um, I really didn't think too much of it, but the more people we talked to, we had Sean McEwen on the, on the show when he mentioned Dennis Houston first as somebody that's really uh, had a good camp. And um, when you start to kind of dive into it a little bit more and you see the, the reps he's getting and the, and the first team he's working with and, you know, in the absence of Michael Gallup and these guys um, it's gotta be Dennis Houston. I think as a guy that, you know, undrafted somebody who, People were a little bit excited about, but, you know, obviously the expectations are hampered when you're coming in at that at that level and that opportunity. But um, I think the Cowboys have found something here. I'm really intrigued to see what uh, Saturday night looks like for him. But um, I got to be got to be there and say that Dennis Houston is my uh, MVP so far. Now, I will say um, that two of you chose Dennis Houston. 
Um, I won't out the other person, um, but we know it's not Brandon. Um, and so um, it's a you know, process of elim- elimination here. But you all chose wide receivers, um, interestingly. Now, none of you chose the players who our commenters are suggesting. Uh, so first of all, J-Dog offers up Simi Fajoko. Simi's had a great camp, obviously, entering his second season. A lot of people were maybe kind of wondering if his roster spot was in jeopardy, so we'll come back. Johnny Mingo offers up Noah Brown. I believe Blue 365 says, I hope Noah gets his chance. He's balling this camp. So again, for all those who are watching live, um, you can be mad at all these people because they did not choose Simi or Noah Brown, but they did choose wide receivers nonetheless. So Brandon, you're up next. We know it was not Dennis Houston. So tell us why Jalen Tolbert, a bit of an underrated name, I think, as training camp MVP, but what's your stance? I mean, Jalen Tolbert has shown the reason why Dallas considered him to be a second round pick initially by some reports and was obviously drafted in the third round. He has the talent. He's got the skill. He's six, one, about 200 pounds. He put numbers, at, uh, South Alabama. I mean, his last was 1500 yards, eight, eight touchdowns, and 18, uh, 18 yards per catch. So he was, he was a game stretcher. He was a game breaker. And he's just, he, he just looked great in camp. I mean, I saw the videos, uh, online and he's got a great connection with Dak. And honestly, even when James Washington was in play, I I still was more more in the Tolbert camp. Anyways, I just felt like, like if Washington was was going to peak, he was already going to peak with the Steelers. You know, within the first, uh, you know, first half of the season. So I think Tolbert will be a great number two for Dallas, and I think he's going to be a very surprising pick um, for, uh, you know, for honestly, uh, for betting purposes, and you know, just for fun. Um, to eight, there's a uh, betting favorite for offensive uh, rookie of the year, which I saw that stat. That was pretty interesting. So Jalen Tolbert will end up being the receiver three by season's end, but the receiving situation is not as bad as people think it is. It's not. You know, we, we don't need to get an Odell Beckham Jr. Plus, he's not going to be ready until half the half the season, anyways. I mean, would you would you pay up for a guy like Will Fuller? I certainly wouldn't. So I think a, a guy like a guy like Jalen Tolbert is the is the perfect guy to. Uh, I would um, say so far is the the MVP. So we heard. Most of that, Brandon, again, a little bit of a internet issue there, I think. Um, It sounded like you said you were in love with the idea of Odell Beckham Jr. and that you would pay an enormous amount of money for Will Fuller. Um, That was uh, what we heard there at the very end. Uh, But I do think Jalen Tolbert... Is uh is a good answer um in in one respect uh, hourglass four twenty chimes in and says Tolbert season uh, for what it's worth Troy Dudley comes in saying Noah has been my camp MVP so far um I um you know somebody who has a, a particular taste uh for for one of Earth's natural elements uh, says what up Troy uh so I don't know what Troy is uh, is being referenced here maybe it is the Troy Dudley uh <laughs> uh it's maybe involved here um okay so we have one vote for dennis houston one vote for uh jalen tolbert um i mentioned one other person here has dennis houston so howman um i mean it's gonna be difficult i think for you to outshine tony but go ahead why is dennis houston your mvp and can you make a better argument than tony did to therefore earn more points than he did it's not hard but it's not easy either well i think 
you know, the, the, the impressive thing for Dennis Houston, as Tony said, is that he's already got such a great chemistry with Dak Prescott and he's you know, essentially come out of nowhere. I don't think that, uh, I don't think that too many people were saying that he was going to be one of the undrafted free agents with a good shot to actually make the roster. And now it seems like he might have the best shot, certainly of the, of the undrafted receivers that we have. Um, so I think, part of it shows just how good Dennis Houston is and how well he just fits with what Dak Prescott wants to do. But also as we were, as everyone was talking, we were thinking about all these receivers that have performed so well, Noah Brown, Sammy Fihoko, uh, Jalen Tolbert and Dennis Houston. It just makes me wonder too, how much of this also comes back to Dak Prescott just being that good of a quarterback. And I know we love to talk about Dak. We love to pump him up. Um, but you know, he's had some pretty good receivers so far in his career. He started out with Des Bryant. They traded for Amari Cooper, CD lamb fell to them in the first round. And now he's got a bunch of guys that a few weeks ago we were really worried about. And now they're all making highlight catches in training camp. And I just wonder some of that responsibility comes back to Dak Prescott being able to connect with guys that he didn't even know a few months ago in the case of Dennis Houston. Um, Okay. It's kind of funny, like T.J. Vasher, kind of for the forgotten man. Like you know, T.J. Vasher shows up, Moss is Kelvin Joseph, and it's like this dude's making the fifty-three, and then like an hour later, um, you know, Dennis. It's like Dennis Houston and Dak Prescott. You know, they play words with friends together. Like you know, they're best buds, they're best pals. Like they go way back, and and that's what's propelling him and uh, and his success so far. There are a few points. Uh, Brandon is working on his internet connection. Um, I think Alex Storm was the first person who said it in the uh, comment. He did mention Micah Parsons, but somebody mentioned Kevontae Turpin. So, Jess, before we get to you, I do think that Kevontae is in the mix a little bit and a little bit of a surprise um, and maybe part of the reason he's somewhat MVP-ish. Uh, Tony is because of the injury to James Washington, like that sort of opened the need for Cavante to, to be a dynamic player on offense. Um, but is it a joke to throw out Cavante, Tony, or is it fine? Is it fair? Like, where do you stand? I don't think it's a joke at all. I think he brings an element to this team that has been kind of lacking on the kick return and the punt return. I know the unofficial depth chart came out and it looks like Tony Pollard and them are still kind of in that, but I think they brought Kevontae Turpin in with that being his role, uh, you know, being that guy who can punt return, kick return, get C.D. Lamb out of there. You know, it's one of the most dangerous plays in football, if not the most dangerous play. So we don't need our number one wide receiver out there, but Kevontae Turpin is going to be able to do some unique things for this team, whether it be jet sweeps, you know, being able to get the ball in space. So I don't think it's a, a stretch. I think um, I was a big proponent for him to, you know, be signed and when he did i was like let's see what can happen here you know you don't want to put too much um expectations on him but i think it was a a quality pick and it's not absurd to think he might be in that running i do think that we're like a preseason touchdown away from the Cavante turpin hype like taking off like some sort of crazy end around you know moment like national like kind of highlight reel uh we have a few weeks for that to be the case okay jess i mentioned all of you picked wide receivers we know that you did not pick Dennis Houston. We obviously know that you did not, did not pick Kevontae Turpin or TJ Vasher or Jalen Tolbert. Um, you cannot pick Michael Gallup or James Washington by virtue of the fact that they are not you know, practicing. So your training camp MVP to date is who and why? Um, my training camp MVP to date is CeeDee Lamb, and that's because I get the news cycle is constantly refreshing as our day goes on, right? And as camp has gone on, we're 11 days in, and we seem to have forgotten where we started before camp 
really kicked off, right? So um, as I recall, there was a lot of headlines going into camp asking if CD was ready to be wide receiver one and step into really Amari's role. And so my train of thought is CD has gone above and beyond in camp to not only prove to everybody else that he's ready, but to really show the improvements he's made from last year. Um, CD really worried me in the sense of being able to catch balls. And that doesn't seem like it's been an issue during this camp. Um, and not only that, but his connection with Dak is so undeniable during camp right now. It is so exciting to see. So um, I know me personally, I was a little bit worried and a little bit skeptical going into training camp with how CD was going to look. And now we're 11 days in and I feel pretty good about CD. So I'm going to give him my MVP because he worked his butt off to be able to show and shine as wide receiver one. He's earned it. Uh, just the praise he's gotten from everybody being Jerry Jones, Mike McCarthy, Dak, Micah, everybody has praised CD saying he's ready. And if y'all haven't seen it yet, I mean, you need to go back and look at all the videos, but he's ready. And so that's why I'm giving him my MVP because there was a lot, a lot of haters coming out of the woodworks for him. And I think he proved them all wrong just within these last two weeks. You know, it's funny that you took CD Lamb, like one of the biggest pieces of low-hanging fruit and that it was very unique um you know everybody i think trying a little bit too hard to be hipster around you know welcome to, to life <laughs> in, in 2022. um i think that's well said Halman. um there there has been this idea as brandon rejoins us uh the internet gremlins uh trying to keep him away but he fought his way through um Halman, do you agree that that cd kind of needed to have this camp and like obviously contextually we, we can't totally know who cd is this season but I mean, again, with, through the prism of what training camp is and can offer, do you think that we are seeing what we needed to from CD to feel, you know, to be able to sleep at night with the notion that he is the, the unquestioned wide receiver one on this team? I don't know if we have. And, you know, I, I'm wow, debate, fan. duel. I'm, I'm ready. A, I'm a big CD Lamb fan. Don't get me wrong. I think he's. Yeah, I think he's been really, really good uh, so far since since Dallas took him, and I'm still I still can't believe that he was actually there when their pick came up. Um, but you know, last year we thought based on his training camp, you know, he was mossing people left and right, and he had this incredible training camp, and we all thought, wow, C.D. Lamb is going to just absolutely dominate the league, and he did well last year. I don't want to act as if he just completely disappeared once the regular season started, but he definitely did not dominate the way that some people thought he was going to. So when I see him with all these highlight plays looking great in training camp and he does look great, I just have to question how will that actually transfer over because it didn't quite transfer over as much last year. And we're probably just going to have to wait and see once the season actually begins. Tony, where do you fall? Do you hate good things like Hellman? And are you, you know, Santa isn't real. You, you tell children that left and right. Or are you allowing yourself to dream a little bit? No, I think I think C.D. Lamb is doing exactly what he needed to. I mean, I think him and, and Dak have had a well, great Well, you didn't pick him, Tony, for your MVP. I, I mean, you're because, all, you know, what's... I mean, I, I, this is weird because, like, I kind of expected C.D. Lamb to take the leap. I mean, I think the, I think this is what we needed to see from C.D. Lamb. So maybe that's my bad for expecting it from him. Um, my thing is they had to give to an MVP for a guy that was eighth wide receiver on the depth chart in my mind when we came into training camp. And now he's running with the ones. So for me, Dennis Houston. And you know what? 
Noah Brown didn't get mentioned here. He got mentioned a little bit in the comments, but I don't know if anybody's had a better camp than him. I just, you know, in that time, I was like Dennis Houston, the way he came about. But Noah Brown, man, I mean, I got to give props where it's due. So I think this wide receiver group, I mean, I don't know how it will translate to when it matters, but from being a nervous wreck about them a week and a half ago to where we are now, it's, it's pretty impressive to see that they changed the narrative a little bit. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Um, last thing on the subject of MVPs, and Halman, I'll kick this to you because you you kind of tugged at this thread. Um, Kenny, uh, I lost the comment. Kenny Petrowski says on uh, the channel, I really hate this rhetoric about CD. How is 1,100 yards a disappointment? This kid is about to blow up. He's been awesome. On any other team, he would be a superstar. I agree with your point, Halman. I don't <laughs> think that the um, that the season last year matched the training camp hype because I'm with you. It, it, this was like a CD is going like God mode at camp last year, blah, blah. And you could argue that you know some of that was mitigated by the, the lack of opportunity because of the other options present in the offense. Um, but but it is a unique thing where he was highly successful, but he just has so much potential that it, it, it all wasn't fully realized. Is that the most fair way to put it? Yeah, that's exactly the way to put it. it was, is he played really well. He played like, you know, definitely a top 15 receiver. I think there's argument that he's definitely in the top 10. But when, I, when I'm saying what we saw in training camp led us to believe that he was going to be in the top five conversation by the mm -hmm. end of the year. You know, I, I think of like Jamar Chase and the way that his rookie season ended last year. He was just dominating left and right over the last half of the year. Um, you know, Debo Samuel, obviously he's unique because they changed up the way that they used him. Um, A.J. Brown in Tennessee. You know, these are guys that like, you know that it's coming to them and they still get the ball and they still they still score on you. Um, and part of it, like like you said, RJ, that, you know, they wanted to get the ball to Michael Gallup. They wanted to get the ball to Amari Cooper, and they didn't really feature CD. They say they're going to do that now. We'll see how that actually works, um, changing up that kind of approach. But uh, we didn't really see that happen last year, whether it was because of the way the offense runs or just because CD didn't take that leap that we all wanted him to. But he was hmm. definitely productive. I just wanted more. Okay, that's well said. Uh, that ties a bow on our training camp MVPs so far. 
Uh, Howman and Tony can't think for themselves and teamed up and both went with Dennis Houston. Uh, Brandon, uh, the internet tried to get him down, but he didn't let that get in his way, and he went Jalen Tolbert. Jess went CeeDee Lamb. Um, so just all wide receivers. No love for any defender here, despite the fact that, you know, the defense is playing really well. Nobody had anything to say about the defensive side of the ball. Nobody cared about Dan Quinn or anything like that. Uh, but I think that that conversation is going to change. A quick heads up as we segue into training camp LVPs, which is obviously least valuable players at this point. Uh, Tony is in the lead with 11 points so far. So congratulations, Tony. Uh, it's been a bit of a, a rocky ride for you, but you've stuck to your guns, and I respect that. Uh, we have a three-way tie for second place currently. Um, it's obviously the other three of you. Um, so you all have 10 points. So right behind Tony, um, you know, one point separates you all. It's still anybody's game. So that being said, uh, who is your training camp LVP? Brandon, you tried to race out to the start uh, on MVP, so I'll give you the floor first here because, um, you know, well, you know, the internet was mean. Uh, so that being said, Brandon, who is your least valuable player person? It can be a player. It could be a coach. It can be a front office executive associated with the Dallas Cowboys through two weeks of training camp. Well, initially I was going to go with Jonathan Garibay, but uh, they, three uh, the of Cowboys you were going to do that by, the way. by uh, letting him go. You today. all had to change it up. So go ahead. I'm sorry. But just so you know, Howman was the only one who didn't go Jonathan Garibay uh, from the jumps. <laughs> But it was kind of obvious. I mean, Garibay, you, you, everyone expected him to just take the job and run with it. So it was like when he when he struggled this this whole training camp, it was the easy answer. I mean, you could go with uh, you know Washington at the receiving core, but can you really put it on James Washington when he's when he's injured? I mean, I, I'm not going to do that. I mean, I know some people say the best ability is your availability. We've heard that a million times. But for me, I'm not going to. I wasn't going to give on the LVP because of injury. So Garibay was my choice. So I did a, a quick little pivot because you asked me before the show and I was like, well, I mean, the kicking game has been awful. So for me, it was Lareem. I mean, Lareem, I mean, he's, like I said earlier, he's kicking at a 75% clip according to ESPN's Todd Archer. I saw the tweet out uh, earlier this morning. So it was, so, I mean, he increased his percentage a little bit uh, today. I heard it looked like he he played. He he did a lot better because I think he didn't miss a kick or he missed one kick. I thought I saw earlier. So he definitely with the pressure cooker on. He he definitely performed better today. But overall, he's not been very good. And if he was good enough, him or Garibay, we wouldn't have this conversation with Brett Maher being in, in play. And just for the record, I, want, I, I meant to add a little bit earlier to, to the kicking uh, controversy. I was actually playing for Cole Murphy. Cole Murphy was a great, uh, great player at Syracuse, which is where I'm from, born and raised and reside. So I was hoping Cole Murphy was going to get the nod. So just I just want to put that out there. But uh, obviously that didn't work out, and we're, we're stuck with Maher. But Lorene, Lorene is definitely the LVP. The whole kicking game has just been awful. Um, so that's not unfair. And I'm actually pleased to say, not only do all of you have different answers. Um, and so the audience is aware I did ask them ahead of time to be able to, you know, do my job effectively, but you all have different portions of the Cowboys. So there is a special teams presence. There's an offensive presence, a defensive presence and, uh, and a higher up presence. Uh, we'll leave it at that. Um, but so the is fair. 
Um, I think, you know, some people probably, we have a lot of comments um, who are picking Jonathan Garibay, like three of you did. Um, so you guys are just all about the low-hanging fruit. And so I'm going to give Dave Hallman five points for not doing that yesterday when I first asked this question. So congratulations to you, Hallman, for thinking outside the box. In fact, Hallman, I'll go to you next. Um, we, we've got Lareem Hyrulahu as an LVP so far. Who is yours and why? I actually loved this pick from you. Well, first I'll say the reason I didn't pick Jonathan Garibay is because kickers are not valuable, as I've explained before. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Another three points. Let's go. Hamlin is off Ooh. and running. So my pick for least valuable player was Josh Ball, who their team is kind of counting on right now to emerge as their top swing tackle, especially after Matt Waletsko got hurt. And Josh Ball, you know, he, he basically redshirted last year and, and was on the injured reserve all year, didn't play. And when he was drafted, we knew he was kind of a, a very raw player, definitely a developmental tackle with a lot of potential. So I was really interested in seeing where he was at this year, especially because uh, the Cowboys didn't bring back Ty Naseki. They didn't bring in another veteran swing tackle like they've done in recent years. So it was really going to be a battle mainly between Ball and the rookie Waletsko. And then what a great idea hit. that was, Hellman. Just a, a right. totally stable idea. <laughs> well, we really like our guys. So we stuck with them. And now we're, we, I mean, we don't really know exactly what the timetable is for Waletsko. So at this point, it seems like the swing tackle is going to be Josh Balls, whether or not he actually earns it. But since the pads came on, which is usually when we really start to see offensive linemen shine, he has more or less disappeared. And he was looking pretty good before then. And then once the pads came on, everyone's been saying, haven't really seen him do much. And that's really concerning it, when, when you're offensive lineman and you need that kind of physicality that, that comes with that portion of training camp. Um, so we'll see what happens when preseason games actually get going and we get some live game action. But so far, it looks like uh, the swing tackle is definitely not solved, which is a big problem when you're talking about Tyron Smith probably going to end up missing some more games because he always misses a couple games every year at least. And that could end Ty up being something that bites them. Tyron Smith has missed time in every single season that Dak Prescott has been the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. So kind of a big deal. Uh, Tony, you're going to go last, but I, I would like your thoughts here because I think Howell makes a great point. But is it fair then to say that the actual LVP is kind of like we talked about with the kicking situation, the process of how we got here. Like, is, is it unfair to, to put the blame on Josh Ball and say he's the least valuable player when, like we were talking about, the, the Cowboys made this bed. They, they went at this with their, their top two swing tackle options being two dudes who had never played in the NFL that, you know, had a combined one-year experience between them that really wasn't much. Yeah, they didn't do him any favors. Um, you know, there isn't much of a competition when one of the guys has been injured for most of the camp. Um, couple that with the fact that Josh Ball had a, a, a de facto red shirt year last year. It's like, I don't know where their confidence came in. I think they were thinking about um, nickel and dimes more than like actual players and, you know, thinking they could save some money here by having Josh Ball and, well, let's go go at it. But that's the whole thing. There isn't much of a competition. They haven't brought anybody out there and they haven't even put like Tyler Smith at tackle either. So it's like, who is he competing against? Like Aviante Collins, like, is that who he's going against? And we haven't heard a peep about him. So it's, it's yeah, I would agree with you. They didn't put him in a position to succeed. Um, it's not really a great situation when the guy himself has to go out there and try to push and try to impress. But you know, who is looking, who is he looking back behind his shoulder? There's no one there to take his job. So it's interesting to kind of see how this is going to play out. 
that was my take all day today was I actually feel really badly for Jonathan Garibay and I, I wish him nothing but success, but he became the face for all of this failure when it was, it was the process of how the Cowboys got here. That, that is really the most, the more frustrating thing. Um, so it, it just sucks. I mean, to be, to be frank about it. So Jess, um, it sucks. You have to save it. Um, we've got a special teams player here in the Reem who by way of Brandon, we have an offensive player in Josh Ball by way of David Howman, who is your LVP so far throughout two weeks of Cowboys training camp. You know, it's funny, RJ, is uh, there's a comment that just popped up that said the front office should be the LVP. So I went ahead and gave my LVP award to Mr. Jerry Jones himself. And let me elaborate. That is because if you go back to the kickoff press conference, which for us is like Christmas Day, right? That first press conference when you're kicking off training camp, the tone he set for the start of this camp was horrific it was trying to really convince all of us like we're good it's gonna be okay everything's fine and since then jerry has just i mean look as cowboys fan jerry's not on our nice list all the time we know that but jerry jones really really has done me in and it hasn't even been the start of the season yet um and that was really noticeable when his interview about the kicking situation came out and he said no i'm not worried about it it's fine no, Jerry, it was not fine. It hasn't been fine. And for you to even imply that it was anywhere near fine is an issue to me. And again, as Cowboys fans, we are so used to this. It's almost sad. But now we're in this kicking situation where, you know, we just went all, all over this. We know what we're doing, uh, what we're dealing with. But I gave Jerry mine because I'm really upset with the controversy that man has caused in the last 11 days alone. And let me get my Cowboys anxiety out at the start of the season, Jerry. Don't do it to me now because it's already bad enough when the season starts in around 30 days. So, uh, yeah, I gave mine to Jerry. And honorable mention, Steven. There you go. I'll give the fans what Uh. they want. Um, I'm just not happy with the Cowboys front office. I'm really not. And I think a lot of the frustration is rolling over from last season um, and how it ended. I'm still a little bitter. I'm still a little bitter, guys. That might be it. But I gave mine to Jerry. Um, AJ, um, you know, just so everybody else knows, thinks that Jess has won um, the round table already. Um, so, you know, a lot of, a lot of work to be done. Uh, seemingly, Thank you, um, there were a lot of, a lot of people, um, uh, noting that Steven Jones should be criticized here too. Um, I agree with you, Jess, and I'm curious for everybody's thoughts on this subject. Um, Jerry was on NFL network yesterday on Monday. Um, he walks up to Rhett Lewis and, uh, Brian Baldinger, I think it was Tom Pelissero. And, and just like starts telling a story about Michael Irvin. It's like, that's all you got, man. Like all you can do is like, just, you know, make a comparison and tell some funny story about, you know, life from 30 years ago and get everybody all jazzed up about it. Cause if you talk about the present day, it's nothing but frustration. Um, Howman, he, he's, you know, there were a lot of people who, when the season ended and Jerry went on 105 through the fan, it was all pissed off that said, oh my gosh, watch out. Jerry, Jerry's coming in Ari Gold style with a, with a blowtorch or whatever. I know Tony can tell me it was a paintball gun. Um, and, paintball and just coming gun, in yeah. and, and, t- and taking names. That didn't happen, Howman. Like, it does feel like Jerry's words are falling on deaf ears at this point. Yeah. I mean, his words definitely are, it's, it's gotten stale at this point. And the only way that it's going to change is if they actually produce and produce in the playoffs. Um, but I, I mean, I, I've definitely been frustrated with this front office and their conservative approach in the off season before, and I'm not going to act as if that's not well placed, but I do have a little bit of a hard time saying, 
that they're necessarily the least valuable just because at this point we know what to expect and there is something to be said mm. for the players actually showing up and doing their jobs. There's something to be said for Jonathan Garibay showing up and hitting his kicks. And he was a good kicker in college too. It's not like he was just some guy that they brought in off the street. Josh Ball was a productive productive tackle at Marshall. And so far he's come in and he has not, he's not earned that. And, you know, Tony was saying like, uh, he doesn't really have any competition looking over his shoulder. Well, today he found out from Jonathan Garibay, the competition is out there. They're just waiting. If you don't go out and take it, you still have to go out and take it. Um, so I, I still think at the end of the day, it's up to the players to go out and do their job, whether or not the front office is going to take the right approach. I like that answer, Hamann, in that like, it kind of is what it is. Like if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones, you know, just <laughs> kind of doing their thing. Uh, Brandon, before we kick it to Tony, do you think that the criticism is is fair for Jerry and Stephen, um, or or maybe do you do you agree that it's fair, but kind of like Hellman, but it's just it exists, and and we we're just, we can't get mad about gravity being nine point eight one meters per second squared at this point. It's just the world that we live in. It's the world we live in. Uh, Hallman's right. It's just the world we live in. You also got to remember, too, all these big contracts that Jerry has given to our, our top guys like Dak and Tank, you got these void years in there as well, which are going to come due in the next couple of years. So uh, you got to have some money left over for salary cap purposes going down the line. I'm not expecting them to leave $20 million or so on the table, but you might want to leave a few bucks left to roll over for next year. That's, I mean, it's a juggling act. And I think, I think the problem with Jerry Jones is, and the Jones family, the front office, it's they, the whole Dak Prescott thing was always it was handled very poorly. At one point, you probably could have gotten him for thirty-five million versus forty million a year. So, you know, I'm, I support Jerry Jones. I love what he does for the Cowboys brand. I mean. And that's, that's a huge thing for me. But from a front office perspective, I think it should just be a personnel decision because he knows what he's talking about. Um, well said. Okay, Tony, um, let's get to your LVP. I know you've been waiting and you've um, I gave you five points for patience because I know that all of the commenters basically have agreed with your pick. You're the only person who picked Kelvin Joseph, uh, the only player uh, that was picked on the defensive side of the ball. Why is Kelvin Joseph your LVP through two weeks of Cowboys game? I think it's because what people expected or hoped from him um, coming into the camp, I thought the perfect scenario was for him to win a job on the outside to be opposite of Trayvon Diggs and allow Anthony Brown to kick inside. I think that would have been in a perfect world, a really strong one, two and three cornerback situation. Now we're looking at a situation where he might not even be the best cornerback in his draft class. And there's a real conceivable chance that he might be the fifth cornerback on the, on the depth chart right now, speaking about Nashawn Wright. Now it's not his fault that Anthony, Brown is, you know, probably having one of the best camps on the team right now. Nobody and, picked and Anthony, by the way, for MVP. Shame on all of you. But go ahead, Tony. I, I you know, I did my. Uh, my His name is Anthony. That's picking, your name. Right How could? I mean, and, I, <laughs> and I've been going to bat for the guy for about a year and a half now. So, but um, but yeah. So for me, it Kelvin Kelvin Joseph was my LVP. I'm not even talking about the stuff that led up to the season, off the season. Um, but you know, it's it's been frustrating because you see. You see him getting a lot of special teams reps. They're not even talking about him really in a contributor of the cornerback position right now at this time. You're, you're seeing people heap praise on Nashawn Wright, which is I'm I'm happy to see it. I'm happy to see him take that next leap. But I really think, and I think I'm not alone in the fact that 
a lot of people expected Kelvin Joseph to go out there and and be what he kind of showed flashes of against the Cardinals last year. And we just haven't heard of him in that light. I know that today was his first chance with Trayvon Diggs getting some rest to really kind of go out there and make a mark. But but we've seen this story before. We've seen guys kind of fall out of favor. We've seen guys kind of fade to black a little bit. And I would hate to see that be this guy because I think he is super talented. I think if his head is on straight, I think if he's in the playbook and he can do the right things, the talent should be able to take him to be a starter on this team. And it just we haven't seen it. We haven't seen it yet. And it's just super frustrating. So for me, it was an easy LVP pick. Fade to Black, also a great song by Amy Winehouse. Um, I think that's really well said, Tony. Um, and I have all of your picks. Um, Jesse, you obviously picked Jerry. It's a little bit of a unique thing there. But uh, Brandon, you picked Reem, who, you know, not not exactly high level of investment. Uh, Howman, you picked Josh Ball, fourth round pick. But Kelvin Joseph, your second round pick, year two. Like, this is supposed to this supposed to click by now. Like, you're over here, to, to your credit, Howman, like banging on Josh Ball. Like, hey, man, like this position needs you. And I think that, you know, just because the the cornerback, you know, we, we've talked so much about how the depth there is really prominent and, and maybe as strong as it's been in, in recent years, that doesn't excuse Kelvin Joseph or, or mitigate the fact that he is the LVP because there is this high level of responsibility being placed on him, or at least there was. And if the other players weren't, you know, up to snuff, so to speak, right now we'd be sitting here saying, what happened here? They made this bet on Kelvin Joseph and it's not working out. I mean, it's year two. And that doesn't even factor in all of the off season or off the field things that plagued him entering. I mean, there's nothing about Kelvin Joseph right now that is um, is, is worthy of praise. Um, by the way, Carlos brought up um, in the comment section that Fade to Black is Metallica. It is, but it's also an Amy Winehouse song. Like sometimes artists repeat uh, track names. Like I'm, you know, whatever. That's where my mind went. I mean, I under, I recognize that a lot of people go to Metallica first. Um, okay, who um, who who agreed or disagreed with somebody the most? I'm, I'm curious. Out of out of all the MVPs and LVPs that we discussed, again, points are up for grabs here. I agreed with Tony the most, um, and I was actually for with with his pick for LVP. I, I was actually going between Josh Ball and Kelvin Joseph because um, you know I was really hoping to see Kelvin Joseph take that next step, especially because he just had these off the field issues this past year. This was the perfect opportunity for him to come in and just absolutely double down and prove like I have that talent. I'm locked in, and he just really hasn't. Um, it's not that he's necessarily been bad. He just hasn't shown anything when. We've got Anthony Brown and Jordan Lewis both having great camps and holding off both him and Wright. Wright's doing great. Um, even Deron Bland, who we haven't really talked too much about, but he's been playing really well. He's he's looked solid when he's been on the field. Um, and, and Kelvin is, you know, he has the highest expectations, I, I feel like, and he just has not lived up to them yet. That's well said. Okay, one last question around the horn. Um, so everybody knows Tony has a pretty commanding lead. Um, so you never know. Um, that being said, last question, and it's a general thing. It can be as small or as big as you want. Brandon, we'll start with you. We'll go in, um, in counterclockwise order with you. Um, what, what one thing do you want or need to see on Saturday night against the Denver Broncos? I just want to see the receivers play well. I want to see all this young talent. See the Dennis Houston's of the world play well. TJ Vasher, I want to see him play well. That's that's where I go. I'm not concerned about the defense because we already know the defense looks pretty. I just want to see the receivers show out a little bit. It'll be fun to watch. And I'm curious to see which receiver performs 
performs the best um, out of that group that is fringe uh, fringe roster worthy at this point. That's going to be the thing to watch this weekend. Okay, that's fair. A lot of people saying no injuries too. That's too low hanging for guys. We're not going there. So nobody can say no injuries. We all agree with that. Jess, what one? And you can't copy anybody yeah. else's answer. So Brandon has taken, um, you know, wide receiver production. Um, what do you want to say okay. on Saturday night? Okay, so I'm going to bounce off of Brandon. I'm not going to copy him. But the, uh, I guess, take a shot game of all of the press conferences that I have listened to this entire uh, training camp has been opportunities, right? If, if you take a shot anytime you hear the word opportunities in a press conference for the Cowboys, make sure you're not doing it work. But be a pretty fun drinking game. But uh, seeing the young guys really step up and take the opportunity, yes. But I'm going to be basic, and I'm going to say the kickers, because why are we not going to watch the kicking situation? Who's going to make the field goals? What we're going to be expecting? And um, a little hint for my podcast tomorrow, I talk about this. I think the kicking position is really so up for grabs that any little mistake, any little slip-up is going to cost somebody a job. So I think it's up for grabs. I think it's pretty open and pretty equal. And I think any little thing could end up being the deciding factor when it comes to that starting kicking position. So I'm the go kickers. I want to see what you're going to show me. I want Brett Maher to prove me so wrong. Um, but also I kind of don't so he can leave again. But that's just me. So um, I'm going to go with kickers. I will say not to be fooled. Not not you specifically, Jess, but not to be fooled. They're kicking in Denver. They're kicking in high out. Like some, somebody is going to be like, holy crap, Brett Maher just made a 69-yard field goal. Nice, blah, blah, blah. And they're going to be like, this guy has to be around. No, this is Denver. Like you cannot fall in love. This is this is a, a night at the Roxbury sort of thing. Like do not, yep. you know, let, let Saturday night completely and totally influence you. Tony, yep. our current leader, um, or did you have a follow-up, Jess? Did I not give you that? I just think it's going to be something we continue to follow, not just during this game, but for really the rest of this preseason time. So I agree. Totally. Okay. Tony, um, you can really only hurt yourself here, um, so be careful. Um, what one thing do you want to see Saturday night? I want to see – the quality i want to see what kind of quality of play the offensive line can have right we're trying to figure out in this camp now we have our reservations about the the, the talent of this offensive line we just don't know if it's devoid of it or or my question is is this defensive line really as good as you know they think that it can be because you see a lot of times dak prescott you gotta pick one thing tony don't don't ruin this you're on thin ice <laughs> i'm picking the offensive line i want to see the offensive All line right. play i want to see how tyler smith does out there i want to see Connor mcgovern if there's been some development i want to see josh ball in his first live action there, there's guys out there that i really are interested to see what's going to happen i want to see if tyler biotish has been able to improve against somebody other than osa or you know tristan hill i just want to see if this offensive line is improved because right now i mean myself included with a lot of other people are very nervous the way this offensive line has gone against our d line and is that more indicative of how good the defensive line is micah parsons to marcus lawrence or is this offensive line going to be as big of a problem as we think it is okay that's well said Halman, bring us home we've covered uh wide receiver play we've covered the kicking department which is pretty self-explanatory and we've covered tony through a wide net just offensive line um you know so what where do you want to go Howman? the thing that i'll be looking for most is the team's level of discipline and you know last year answer. they were a heavily penalized team and mike mccarthy has harped on it a lot because his packers teams generally were not heavily penalized teams and that's not something that he's used to and it's hurt them a lot. And, and 
you know, that's become an old adage for Cowboys fans. Great play. Oh, but it's undone because there was a hold or because Randy Gregory tackled somebody with their jersey. Um, you know, so they've really focused on it a lot this this offseason, especially in training camp. And preseason is their first real live game action. Um, you never really know how tough the referees are going to be in a preseason game, but it's at least something that's going to give them actual experience. Um, earlier today, we had our first real skirmish of practice. So you can tell that the intensity is definitely getting there for some of these players. They're ready to hit someone other than each other. And I've, I'm really curious to see how that plays out when they actually get to it. Is it intensity within the confines of the game or does it go beyond the whistle to where it actually hurts them? Or when it comes to holding or, or other just silly mistakes, are they disciplined in their technique? Because that will, you know, we can talk about, you know, kicking, we can talk about receivers, but if they're, if they keep shooting themselves in the foot with penalties, none of the other stuff is going to matter. Mm. Very, very well said. Um, I don't believe Randy Gregory will be a participant in the joint practices, which would have been fun, uh, at least for us. Um, I don't think there would have been any drama. But uh, Mike McCarthy did say, uh, Hamid, that he did not, or that the Cowboys are not going to Denver to fight. Um, so, you know, we'll see about that. Um, it's time for the results. Uh, we did have two new players uh, for the very first time. Um, and so let's just get to it. Let's just, you know, go in ascending order. We had a tie for third place. And it's worth mentioning that David Howman is our reigning BTB Roundtable champion. He will not go back to back. He was tied with Brandon at 24 points tonight. So uh, you two have to split the bronze medal. I don't know if you want to go like purely down the half or like the jagged things so you can put it together like the little heart necklaces when you're six years old when you're best friends it's up to you guys um so you know uh, congratulations to you both uh on a share of bronze uh second place silver medalist um jess great performance all the way around but you were met with some consternation for jerry you know this this is ultimately a court of public opinion and i exist to just kind of you know ride the wave and, and be a voice of the commenters and so uh everybody thought that you let steven off the hook so maybe next time just you know go for the jugular there but congratulations um on your silver place silver medal second place uh performance that means tony catalina is our champion for the first time in this iteration of the blog and the boys roundtable tony you um you squeaked it out i mean the end you almost fumbled the bag I'm being honest with you. Jess had 27 points. You had 28. I had to dock you for going back and forth from the you know, offensive line, defensive line. You couldn't make up your mind. Uh, but it is your prize, gold medal. Tony, uh, how do you feel? Who do you want to thank? Um, you know, but the, it's, it's up to you, dude. You remember when LeBron James won his first one? What did he say? <laughs> About damn Nobody. time. You know? <laughs> so, um, I don't think anybody is. remembers that. I think people remember the Cleveland, this is for you. So they remember the third yeah. one more than they do the first one. So Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. But no, it feels good. You know, I've been on here enough times. I had to get one, I think, just by virtue of numbers here. Hamann, uh, do you feel like maybe you should have won? You guys had a lot of the same thoughts, uh, you and Tony. Um, in fact, you said that you almost went Kelvin Joseph for your LVP. Had you done so, you and Tony would have had identical results, and maybe you would have repeated tonight. I mean, I, I take it as a tip of the cap that we're on the same wave, wavelength and he won. I won last week. I think I think it's a good sign. Uh, Brandon, uh, a share of third for your first round table. Do you feel like you were robbed? Do you feel like the judging was improper? Um, remember, you're, well, you will be on future round tables, so like, just be cool. Uh, but what, you know, what is your thought process there? I mean, I'm just saying, I'm just, 
I'm happy we're getting third place just because of my internet issues. That was that was crazy. I was not expecting to have the internet issues today. But I got to give Tony. I got to give Tony some credit though. He didn't Leon let the ball, so that was good. So uh, congrats to Tony on that. Uh, Jess, you um, you are on the podcast network a lot, so people get to hear your voice all throughout the week. Um, do you think that anybody will hold a grudge that you know? the person who starts their day off didn't get the gold or, or do you feel like they'll feel it was a fair process? Like, you know, you're speaking on behalf of your people now. You know, I feel like they weren't going to hold a grudge until you said that, mm. but if they are, I'm so sorry. And I hope y'all tune in bright and early because I have plenty of good stuff coming in. And um, if you're holding a grudge, just know there's plenty more Jerry and Stephen hate you'll get eventually guys. It mm. doesn't end just there. That's very well said. Uh, Tony, congratulations. Uh, biggest honor. And I know you got married a few months ago, but like that means nothing uh, compared to this. Uh, we don't give you any jewelry for this, but um, it is still a bigger deal. Uh, Tony, since you are our roundtable MVP, give us a, it can't be a word or a, a normal sound. Give us a random noise that no human being has ever heard before for us to sign off. Yeah.